It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. And welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry. From LandryFootball.com, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks for joining us here on Twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, thanks for subscribing to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, We're halfway through the NFL season, believe it or not. Uh, More than halfway through the college football season. And yes, games are getting postponed and canceled and the schedule is getting reworked. But I think the important thing as we head into this uncertain time period of, you know, the uptick in cases and possible new shutdowns. Let's just be appreciative, Chris, of the football that we are getting, because everyone, I think, has been doing such a good job to make sure that we're actually getting these games being played, even if there are some, you know, exceptions to that. Yeah. And there's still some work to be done. last week, the sec was hit really hard. It was starting to break as we did our show live, um, on Tuesday last week, which by the way, you can catch us live on Twitch TV, Twitch tv slash chris landry football so if you're watching listen to us on podcast form you, you can join us on uh, the chris landry football twitch channel and uh, send in your comments or questions but as we were doing the show we were we were having issues of this game will likely be canceled that game will likely be canceled and god it was just a just a sharpie to the schedule last week scott i mean it was just an um Oh yeah, a mess. And so now the issue is to try to make it up. The latest from that is it looks like that LSU Alabama game is likely going to be replayed on December 5th. And they're going to do some juggling because it's important for Alabama and Florida to get games done without using the 19th because the 19th is the sec championship game and it's likely going to be Florida and Alabama. So Florida and Alabama, they'll be playing one another in the sec championship game. While we may have a boatload of sec games of other people playing in games that are makeup games. So look out for that. We do know, man, um, CBS in their, SEC package is taking a hit. They want that LSU-Alabama game back because they lost it last week as the follow-up to the third round of the Masters. Mm -hmm. And so they now lose A&M and Ole Miss this week, which was going to be a fun little 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern matchup for them this week on CBS. That's done. It's been a been a tough week. Yeah, you're right. I guess we're grateful, should be grateful that we've got some games. Um, it's all due to this contact tracing, and you know that's becoming more of an issue with uh, how many you know going to be out for two weeks, and you know yeah. we're kind of we're running out of time. As we said, those that's the plan at this point. But Scott, if it gets backed up even further. There are going to be some of these games, and there are already going to be some that are not going to be made up. They're just not going to have enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. Especially if they don't have any impact on the postseason. And we're just talking about bowl eligibility here. Uh, they'll find a way to, to work. And everybody's bowl eligible. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, you just you don't you just you're bowl eligible. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to win a game. You can just you know yeah. 
Penn State can go open seven and be invited to bowl game if they want to. I mean, it's just it's just a weird it's just that type of year. But you know, yet on the other side, we've seen the NFL. Well, they they've been able to manage this better, and um, of course, they've got a lot more money invested in it. They've had some games rescheduled, games Scott, but for the most part, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's going to be gotta, real interesting to see going forward, though. Uh, let's talk about the news in the SEC, and that is what we expected. We touched upon it briefly last week. Uh, Will Muschamp out at South Carolina. Um, this team, it, it, it's, it's been troubling. Uh, now you find out that their t- top two cornerbacks have opted out of the season and, you know, there's players are dropping like flies. And what have you noticed when watching this team on film specifically that has kind of jumped off the, the, the screen to you and said, well, they're just not a, 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 a they're not playing good football right now. And it's more than just coaching. Well, it's the fact that their defense has collapsed recently, and it's ultimately has been it's the final straw that got Will Muschamp fired because the offense has been a problem for a while. Mm-hmm. They've not been able to get anything done since Will has been there. There was some early success in his first year, and maybe signs that okay, look, the failed job he did at Florida, and maybe he's learned something, but it's kind of the same thing. Um, and look, um, he had a lot of resources at Florida. I mean, it's hard not to win at Florida and he struggled there. And so, all right, what did you learn and how much better are you going to be as a head coach at South Carolina? It just, it just hasn't worked. The defense hasn't been dominant. The offense has been at, at best average and at worst putrid. And it is just, um, I don't think the recruiting is good, is as good or consistent as, um, it, it, it probably could be, it's difficult. Um, Spurrier didn't have to deal with the Clemson of now, you know, he got Clemson when Clemson was struggling a little bit before they started to click things up in the high gear. So you're in the state and you're the, you're the state university of South Carolina and you are a Lilliputian compared to the big, bad orange and purple of Clemson. Mm-hmm. And so they're the big bad dogs and you're you stepchildren in the state. And, you know, you're certainly taking a backseat to Georgia and Florida in the east. And depending upon in Tennessee, certainly not doing a great job there. Um, it, 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 you know, better than, say, fourth. So I think, though, it's a great job. And, and what I mean by that is there's tremendous facilities. There's tremendous fan support. They support it as if they're a championship-level team. Yet the expectations are not you win here or you're you're off with your head. I mean, it's like you can have that job for a long time if you win. And and you don't have to win a title. I mean, Spurrier didn't, Holtz didn't, and I mean – I was only one guy won a conference title there, and that was Paul Dietzel in 1969 in the ACC. They've never done it. I think it's a really good job because the expectation level is realistic. And um, I'm on record at saying that they would be foolish and they would be missing the boat if they don't go and make a big-time run 
at Hugh Freeze. Makes but it sense. does not it does not appear that they're gonna do that. It's gonna be in all likelihood Billy Napier's job to turn down the head coach at Louisiana Lafayette, hmm. uh, who has got background in the state. He was the offense coordinator early on when Dabble Sw- for at Clemson when Dabble Sweeney took over the job. He was a 28-year-old offense coordinator, was fired, but went on. He's worked on Nick Saban's staff. Um, you know, he's went out to Arizona State with Todd Graham as offense coordinator. Um, and, and, you know, he's done a very good job at Louisiana Lafayette. And I, I still call it Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, of course. We all- Louisiana. Um, and, and he wants the job. And turned down Mississippi State last year. Or it, it, at least just backed out of it before they can officially offer it to him. With the idea that this this job be really like he was a quarterback at Furman back in the day. His dad, brother coached in the in the state. So there's a lot of reason to think that that's the direction they're going to go. Um, there's a lot of push internally for Shane Beamer, Frank Beamer's son, who's now in Oklahoma, who was an assistant for Spurrier at South Carolina. I just think if you're South Carolina, you, you – you've got to get somebody that's been an experienced head coach. If you want to play with the big boys, you made the move, you bit the bullet. It's going to cost you $13 million over five years, four years, 49 months are going to have to pay um, Will Muschamp $275,000 a month for 49 months. Unbelievable. On the buyout. But it doesn't have, it's not a $13 million they got to come up with tomorrow and pay them. So, look, if you're going to make that move, I mean, this tells you whether they want to be big boys or not. It's time to put your big boy pants on, mm-hmm. go out and make the run at Hugh Freeze. I, it sounds like Ray Tanner, the athletic director, former West Point guy, the president there. Uh, Bob Castleham is former West Point guy. Maybe the the off-the-field issues with Hugh Freeze. Or, it, it, it's sounding like talking with them Monday and a little bit uh, this morning they may want to go the safe route and Billy Napier may be the safe route. Steve, uh, Sarke- mean, Steve Sarkeesian's name is mentioned. Uh, West point guys. What about Jeff Munkin? Yeah. I don't think they're going to uh, go with that. I think they want to go with somebody that, that can do a little bit more explosiveness offensive wise, but the, his Jeff Munkin's name has been mentioned. I just don't, I think it's been mentioned by the media. I don't think it's it's somebody they would turn to, but before that would happen, Napier would have to turn him down, which I don't think he will. Uh, I think they'd go with Beamer, which again, I'm not is it's not the direction I would go. Uh, Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina. Again, you're betting on a guy that's going to have to do something at a big time. Will Healy at Charlotte, same thing. Steve Sarkeesian is a guy that's been mentioned. I don't know if Sark would take it. He's at Alabama, obviously was head coach at USC in Washington. Like I think if you US, if, if you Southern Cal, of course, the folks in South Carolina call it USC, but uh, uh, look, I, I think it's, I think if you're South Carolina, this says a lot about whether you're willing to, again, put your big boy pants on and go and make a big time move. Hugh Freeze has been successful in this league and Look, I think you got to do your homework. Is that the guy out? I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I would think that Hugh Freeze's days of calling hookers on a burner phone is probably over. Yeah, I, I would think he learned his lesson, but I don't know. Does he have a an addiction problem or something? I look, I 
I, I know Hugh. I don't know him that well. Um, but as a football coach, you're talking about a dynamic guy that could do for South Carolina did what Spurrier did and more because he's a better recruiter. Hmm. I think it is a home run hire, and I think South Carolina is dropping the ball if they don't get you freeze. I think Billy Napier is a good hire. I don't think Billy Napier is going to change around the fortunes of South Carolina football. I don't think he's going to make a huge difference. And I think it would be a good hire if you freeze wasn't available. He is. And if he doesn't, I'm going to tell you, Scott, and I'm going to tell our audience what I told a member of the South Carolina administration this morning. If you don't hire him, you're going to end up playing against him. Someone else will. And you're, and you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. And you do it. It's not my business to tell you who you should marry to professionally or personally. I'm just telling you, football guy, you you're making a huge mistake there, in my opinion. And just to, and and it, listen, if people can, if if you make the, if you make if you say no, you're saying no because you're concerned about him personally. Yes, that's the only. And I okay, I. Your your call there, South yeah. Carolina, Mr. Uh, Chasm and Mr. You know, I Tanner. agree. I agree. Hey, we got a question uh, coming in from one of our viewers, Burns, uh, loyal, staying with us every single week. We appreciate you, Burns. He wants to know what's a bigger disappointment, Penn State or Michigan this season? Well, here's the thing. I think the well this year you could you could make the case for both, but it's got to be Michigan. It's got to be Michigan because I know you said this season, but this is on the heels of you know, of a long stretch. I mean, Michigan looks dead. Penn State does as well. Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not a big fan of James Franklin as other people are. But, you know, Penn State's at least had a pulse for a while. You can write this off, and there's already the excuses being floated out there by James's camp and all that kind of stuff. And I, I fully – respect and have sympathy for the fact that he's away from his family and he's got a daughter in Florida with sickle cell. And and because of COVID, I get all that, but that's everybody's dealing with issues. Penn state looks lost this year. Michigan has looked lost for quite some time. Michigan is the bigger disappointment of the two because it's a longer stretch, but you know, for a Penn state fan, (laughs) they don't care about Michigan. They know it's a disaster. They, They haven't won a game at Penn State. I, I think Michigan's loss to to Michigan State is one of the shockers of the year and one of the collapses that is just inexplicable. If they played it again tomorrow, I still don't think I could pe- can pick Michigan State to win. Ain't against anybody, much less Michigan. And they did it. I don't know. Uh, I think both of those teams are in a lot of trouble. Um, I, I do expect Harbaugh to be gone. And whether that's because Michigan lets him go or because he gets a, quote, better job in the NFL, uh, I, I just I, I think that there needs to be a change there, and there probably will be. I can tell you that if he goes, it's going to be one of those mutual departings where, like, he kind of exits stage left. Mm-hmm. I don't – I'm telling you, it does not appear. They have no appetite for firing him. Now, that he's got one year left on the deal. And 
you already I told you about the rumors and everything yeah. that's been put out in his camp. I don't know that anybody's going to bite on him in the NFL, but yeah. there is an exit strategy trying to be made by Jim Harbaugh to where he sense. can leave and, you know, kind of sell it in a certain way. And he can, but I, this is, this is, um, this is a mess. This is definitely a big time mess. Let's get into our preview of this week's games in the college football schedule. Uh, top 25 action actually begins on Thursday. Uh, Tulsa creeping into the top 25. They take on Tulane. Tulsa coming off the win over SMU. And uh, quietly, they are undefeated in the American, setting up a potential matchup the final week of their season against Cincinnati, who looks to be like the representative from the American Athletic Conference. But there seems to be a lot to like about this Tulsa team, Chris. No, they they played very well. Um, you know, Tulane can be scrappy, but this Tulsa team is one of the more improved teams, uh, certainly in the in the in the group of five level, and they are good. And um, I think they take care of business here. Tulane had maybe one of the plays of the week last week. I don't know if people saw it, but uh, they intercepted a pass on a kickoff. Yes, yes, that's correct against uh, Army. Had a little throwback and uh, inter- intercepted, but yeah, this Tulsa team is pretty good, and I do think this this American uh, is is going to end up really fun at the end of the year because it's you know certainly you know all the talk about you know where things are with Cincinnati, but Tulsa's a really good team. We know that uh, SMU's really good, and of course, I know we're going to talk about it. But uh, Central Florida is not very good defensively, but they're fun on offense, and they've lost a couple of games. But mm-hmm. that could be interesting this week as well. Uh, just another test for Cincinnati. But yeah, that is going to be an interesting game, and I do think this Tulsa team is one to watch. Let's get into that game right now between Cincinnati and UCF. You mentioned offensively, they are fun to watch. Chris, they're the best offense in the country, and it's not even close. Like, they have the statistical edge over the second best team in the country, which I believe is North Texas right now, statistically. And I think UCF outgains them by 60, 70 yards per game. So we're talking about the most dynamic offense in the country. But I've said it time and time again. Defensively, they'd be better off putting tackling sleds out there and they'd have (laughs) better luck stopping the opposition's offense because defensively, they just, it's like the defense just wants to, you know, forget about it and get the offense back on the field. Uh, They're home, which gives them a little bit of an edge here over Cincinnati. But Cincinnati is the most complete team in that conference. And the way that I look at this matchup, and tell me if if there's something uh, here to my analysis. Cincinnati held SMU to 13 points. They held Memphis to 10 points, and they held Houston to 10 points. All three of those offenses are identical to what UCF does offensively. And schematically, I, yes. And I, schematically, yeah, of course. Obviously, you know, Dylan Gabriel and the, the, the UCF offense is more talented than those groups. Um, you know, maybe you can say Memphis. You know, if SMU was at full strength with Roberson and other guys, that's a different story. And, you know, if Brady White had his complement of guys at Memphis, maybe it's a different story. But schematically, it's the same thing. If Luke Bickle knows how to stop those teams, he certainly knows how to stop this Central Florida team. I find it hard to believe that Cincinnati's going to get upset here. Yeah, I don't think they will either, and I think you just hit on it. To this point, they've played well. What's the old saying? You know, every win you get, the the games get bigger. And the opponents, as you've rattled off, 
pretty good offenses that could score and, you know, they were able to handle it. They were able to get lined up. They were able to play. Now, this is a different kind of a different level. So it's a, it's a hurdle. It's a hurdle. And it's a, you know, it's a bigger hurdle. Mm -hmm. I think it's the ultimate test to this point, you know, an offense that can do things better, faster, more explosive. And I just can't wait to watch it because I want to see how they respond and how they line up and how they match up. And look, they have handled everything from army (laughs) and, you know, the triple option, to the spread attacks. I'm telling you, I've been on Cincinnati since the summer when I didn't know what the heck was, who was going to play when, you know, the the best group of five team, this team is really good. I think they're more complete. I I think Cincinnati will be able to control the game a little bit better at the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be able to really have their way against central Florida's defense. You've kind of alluded to it, but I think part of it's going to be, look, we're going to line up and be able to match up with this Central Florida offense to a point, but we're going to complement that with being able to give our defense some rest by being able to control the football and shorten the game and limit Central Florida's possession. So I I like Cincinnati here. I just think they're the more complete team and I think they're on a mission, and I think Luke's got this team focused Mm -hmm. and, and, and really playing good ball, and I'm excited. Uh, In fact, I got this. I've moved this up to monitor two in that 230 central window behind uh, Wisconsin Northwestern. I think this is the second best game in that time slot. Um, I don't don't think there's competition. The only competition was Ole Miss A&M, which is off the the board. Mm -hmm. No, no disrespect to Dylan Gabriel, who's been tremendous. But when I look at the quarterbacks that Cincinnati has faced, Shane Bruchel, Brady White, and and Clayton Toon, all three of them are probably better than, than Dylan Gabriel. And so I just look at the success that Cincinnati had defensively against those three quarterbacks, and I think that they'll have success against Dylan and this uh, UCF offense as well. Spartan Barton wants to comment here. Uh, since he has their eyes on the playoffs, if Florida and Notre Dame get blown out in their conference championship games, would Cincy get into the college football playoffs? Now they're going to fall short. So if if Florida gets blown out, then in Notre Dame, you know, gets blown out, uh, it it still wouldn't Florida. It would eliminate Florida. It would not eliminate Notre Dame. It would require Notre Dame to lose another game, and then then you're looking at some other possibilities. But no, I it, you've got to have a lot more than just those those two scenarios to take place for for Cincinnati to get in. Look, they're a good team, but. No, I don't see it happening. Um, I mean, for example, an A and M team would finish ahead of Cincinnati if, if they if they they went out. So, um, no, I don't. I don't think a one loss A and M team over an undefeated Cincy team. Yeah, they they would. Yeah, absolutely. I think they would finish ahead of them. And I think a lot of people would have problems with that, though. Sure, they would. But you know, you look at Cincinnati's overall schedule. I don't think A and M's schedule is all that difficult, but. It's going to look better. And I don't know that a is going to be able to get to play all the t- – I mean, they didn't play last week, didn't play this week. Are they going to be able to make up those games? They're not going to have their full complement of games. Uh, I just don't think Cincinnati's going to get in asking me, you know, mm-hmm. what I think would happen. I don't think so. 
And a and M has the best win in the country if if that was to play out because their win over Florida is it's, it's not something yeah. that Cincinnati's going to be able to have. It does yeah. not mean that I don't think Cincinnati couldn't play. It's all the more reason I'd love to see at least for this year eight teams and let's go at it and have fun. But I don't the even NFL, know. The NFL is expanding. Why doesn't college football expand? Yeah. Why? Um. L- let me say this. I mean. I think Cincinnati's schedule is a little bit more challenging, but I don't know that I could sit here and tell you after studying them both. I'd like the game. I'd like to see more than any is BYU Cincinnati. Why not group of five? Uh, well, I know it's not group of five, but our five championship game. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would just summarily say Cincinnati definitely better than BYU. I can make the, the, the argument for both there. Mm-hmm. And so in that scenario, I don't think they get in personally, but let's let it play out. It's a great question, but Spartan Martin, here's the thing you'll learn about me is the whole, if this happens and that happens, <laughs> that doesn't do it for me because it doesn't tell me what I need to know. I need to see them play. That tells me who the four best are. So in theory, I might be able to make a case one way or the other, but just while Notre Dame gets blown out, well, how do they get blown out? What's the reason for the blowout? I mean, there are a lot of factors into it. I would say that Notre Dame getting blown out by Clemson and losing no other games would finish ahead of no, uh, A&M. I mean, what's the difference between Notre Dame getting blown out by Clemson in the ACC championship game versus A&M get blown out by Alabama early? I think that's the argument then. I still think Notre Dame's in play, and I I think that Notre Dame gets in if they make the ACC championship game. I think they get in. I think Notre Dame gets in, provided there is that upset with Florida upset in Alabama. So, look, in the scenario that you gave Spartan Martin, Alabama beats Florida by one and blown out, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama's in, Clemson beats Notre Dame, they're in, Ohio State's in, and Notre Dame with a loss to Clemson, probably in. I don't think that now. Blown out, how does it look? The other scenarios, let's wait to get to that point because how does it look? Can't answer it because there's nothing to look at yet. Let's jump to the Big Ten. Wisconsin, fresh off their blowout of Michigan, takes on a talented Northwestern team. Um, I think that Wisconsin, if they had more games under their belt, I think there'd be a little more respect for them. The fact that they've only played two games and the one is fresh in everybody's mind after their long COVID layoff, uh, now people are starting to talk about them a little bit more. But had if they were maybe 4-0 at this point, or 5-0 and at this point, if they didn't have that layoff, we'd be talking about maybe the number four, number five team in the country as opposed to number 10 team in the country right now. Maybe just a little more respect if they played more games because this is a very, very good football team. It is. Seen Northwestern play every game thus far this year. They have gotten better. I thought they did a nice job against Purdue on the road last week. It's a tough team. And it's just, this is, you know, last year was the hiccup of, nothing makes sense that didn't look like Northwestern last year. Yeah. Typical Northwestern, smart, tough, well-positioned, physical. Um, They're just really good. I think this Wisconsin team is just a little bit better. They got a little bit more now with the quarterback and their, their ability to make a little bit more explosive plays. I know 
we will just dismiss that, oh, Michigan's awful. They'll beat any. That's impressive how they dominated that game. They, Wisconsin's physical and is smart, but they also have a little more explosive playmaking ability. Look, I, I, why not just call this at this point? This is this week's it's a quarter Big final. Ten West. Yeah. Big Ten West. <laughs> yeah. It's I, a Big Ten West championship game. And I think Wisconsin <laughs> – does it on the road here i think they're i think they're just better and i think they've got more um they won't shrink in the moment uh but they're gonna have to earn it i I, that's kind of alluded to it i think just the number one game in the 230 central time slot for me yeah i love those two games that are going to be going up uh, head to head espn and abc i will definitely have the two screens up watching both of those games and might even have a gambling pick on both of those games oh there we go i like it like it uh, what do you think? This question comes in from one of our viewers, Sean, who uh, hit me up, and he wants to know what you think of this Liberty team going up against NC State. We talked about Hugh Freeze and the potential South Carolina job. Uh, Liberty goes on the road here to face NC State, and much like Liberty was, they were a heavy underdog against Vatek. They're underdogs once again against uh, NC State here in Raleigh. Hey. How about all these games that Liberty's playing to the ACC? <laughs> they they deserve maybe a, a, a quasi shot at, you know, like, like you know, pick up basketball, winners stay on. They might say, hey, after the ACC championship, let us play. We're kind of dismissing them. I don't think they're as complete as Cincinnati or BYU or, you know, no. But I, look. I'm not going to count them out. I thought I'd said it. Look out, Virginia Tech. Look out. Yep. That's going to be danger, and it was. We talked about Malik Willis. He's an SEC quarterback. He was at Auburn. He was back. You know, he lost out to Bo Nix. And tagged him up. He's He's got talent, and that Liberty team's got talent. Look, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, in that 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Central range, Liberty NC stage in the monitor four. <laughs> Liberty, I can't tell you. Many times that they did, they made monitor six last week against Virginia Tech in that time slot. They moved up to four. Look out, NC State. Look out, NC State. Liberty and and Hugh Freeze are on the rise, and this is not going to be a lot of fun. NC State should be able to pull it out at home. But, you know, and let's just – Oh my God, Justin Fuente! What a way to lose that game. I mean, they had that game. What a what a NC State at home here, you know, maybe gets it done. But I'm telling you, look out! It won't be easy, and Liberty's going to score some points against NC State's defense. It's not bad. Yeah, and what about Oklahoma? Oklahoma State, big matchup. Oh, bad- look, um, Badlam a little bit earlier than normal in this weird year. I just um, Oklahoma State in these big games, big moments. I think Oklahoma's playing better right now. Um, I think the Sooners got the edge here. Um, we saw Oklahoma State. We saw them, and it looked like they had every reason to be considered as maybe the most complete team in the Big Twelve, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. It's just the big time moments and the big time stage. Look, they were not able to take care of business and. Um, you know, against Texas, and you know this is this is huge here, and uh, this is a big game for them. Obviously, they're the little brother, and right now Oklahoma's playing pretty good. Quietly, Oklahoma's defensive line's playing pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think Oklahoma's the the play here. All right, let's transition to the NFL, Chris. And as we start uh, talking about the NFL, we have to start with our play of the week. And it was a good one. It was the end of the Cardinals and the Bills. And it was the Hail Mary from Kyler Murray. Here's how it happened. Well, let's take a look and let's give a lot of credit Kyler Murray, and obviously you see the set here. We're going all virtue. here. You got to last play of the game. Everybody going deep. And, you know, you want to – one of the things you want to try to do against a receiver like Hopkins, though, and this is probably misunderstood, get up there and jam him because if he can't get to the, to the end zone quick enough, you got a problem. But Kyler Murray obviously gets to the point where he can unleash it, and it's literally a Hail Mary. Now into the coverage. Look at the positioning. Positioning is good here. You're a little bit late there. You got to go up. You see the last defender up. It's a little late. Scott, listeners, you've got to defensively go up and knock the ball down. You are not trying to catch the ball. You're not trying to compete for the ball to catch it. That's the mistake you often make. You need to go and slap it down, not pop it up, spike it. Think volleyball, spike it into the ground so it can't be caught by someone else. But you see here, you got to slow Hopkins down because he's the biggest threat. You need to slow him off the line of scrimmage. That's the first thing you got to do defensively here. But in a position, and you see a little bit late, why are you so late coming over here? But you've got two guys in good position, a third guy coming over. The last guy, trailer, is not really in the play. But if we go back and look at the two trail guys, let's take a look at it again. As they go up, and they are going up in competition to try to catch the ball. I don't want you competing to catch the ball against DeAndre Hopkins. That's not the goal. Knock it down. You've got in position. Knock it down. Knock it down. If you need to, strip his hands. Mm -hmm. When the ball comes, strip his hands. Knock it loose. You're likely not going to get that call at that point. Do not allow him to catch it. And it is easier to try to knock it down than for you to try to catch it. Okay, you've got the biggest hands of any receiver in the league that D-Hop has, so you've got to disrupt it. You've got to come through his hands to be able to try to knock it down. You try to separate those hands. That's the biggest issue here. You knock it down, game's over, you win. Instead, it's a play for the ages. Congrats. But that's the that's the pet peeve defensively, and I can tell you, as a defensive head coach, Sean is just sitting there thinking. You could tell, you know, at the end. You know, it's, it's, it's the fundamental part of can't believe it. Because, you know, that's such great game. You play well. Yep. I mean, you had every chance to win that game. And, um, and by the way, I know we're going to get to it. What a Thursday night matchup. And for Arizona, what a big-time play, a big-time win. Are the Cardinals getting ready to take over the west of the NFC? That's how big that game was because yeah. that game kind of put this Thursday night game into a spotlight of, I think, the best Thursday night game of the year thus far. And that's coming off the great AFC South matchup last week, the Colts and the Titans. 
A uh, couple other games we look back on um, from this past week. It was week 10 in the NFL season. Nice bounce back for the Buccaneers, uh, who took care of the Panthers on the road. Uh, I thought the Raiders looked pretty good against the Broncos. Uh, the Dolphins, Chris. I feel like every week it's kind of like, um, oh, this team is not for real, or you know, this team is not legit. It's a nice story, but... Yeah, the Bills are going to win that division. And, you know, the Dolphins, okay, we'll see what happens. Uh, they beat a Chargers team that is better than their 2-7 and seven record. The Dolphins right now are a game, just a win, excuse me, behind the Buffalo Bills at 6-3. and three. The Bills are 7-3. and three, And they have quietly won five games in a row. And look at this schedule. At the Broncos, at the Jets, against the Bengals. Yes, they got the matchup with the Chiefs. We'll get there. But you're looking at a potential of eight straight wins and being nine and three going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. If I told you that before the season, Chris, you probably would have smacked me in the face. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it would it would have said, oh, Scotty, I'm not sure there, buddy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not sure you're out in the sun too much. It's just uh, no, I just didn't see that. But mention it last week. This team is it's got a different air about it, a different spark to it. They're really good. And I was looking to grab um, the matchups with the bills. I was trying to look at the schedule. Couldn't locate it. Um, if, if you can find that, the the two dates of the dolphins bills uh, matchups, that's going to be a lot of fun because it's coming down to those two teams. And, you know, I know new England's trying to get to 500, but this dolphins team is playing well. They play the, I, they play weeks the last last week seventeen final game of the year week seventeen mm-hmm. so that, two, that was the thirty one twenty eight bills win co- correct um and then so it's week seventeen yep. uh, and that's that's going to turn out could be the a, game a lot lot better than than uh, any of us anticipated no I think this is a really good looking team they're playing very well like them going into the matchup last week and. Look, you, you're right. You mentioned it, and that's why a game that loss for Buffalo was so difficult because it just put them basically, essentially, in the tie in the loss column. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Buffalo said, they're by Miami's got to get one last game played. Now it's good. This is a good Dolphin team, and it's fun for for those that have followed that team. And the Dolphins have been so bad for so long. Really good win for them. No, no doubt about it. And, Listen, I know and, the Steelers are undefeated, Chris, but Brian Flores is the coach of the year, uh, not Mike Tomlin. Yeah, well, listen, I think he's done an outstanding job. There's no question about it. Um, uh, you know, w- when you look at the history of how they do the award, it's the expectation level versus how much better is your your reality to expectation. I don't think there's any doubt that the team that maybe is the biggest surprise from a positive mm-hmm. standpoint is Miami. There was expectations in Buffalo. Um, you know, and there are other coaches that are doing good jobs, but nobody that's done a better job. Um, I mean, you could probably uh, make a case if he wins the division. Kingsbury doing a good job in Arizona. Sure. But I think Flores is uh, – I agree with you. Let's, let's see how they finish, though. That's probably going to determine it. Yep, let's get to some questions. Uh, Kev wants to know, have you identified any deficiencies with the Bears' offensive scheme? It seems that Foles doesn't have enough quick options when he's under pressure. Yeah, there's there's a lot. That's a whole show in the Bears' <laughs> offensive deficiencies. Look, it it really comes down to um, 
you know, quarterback play has been deficient and it's and to not oversimplify it is when people can overplay the run, it, it, you've got to be able to make people play in the pay in the passing game. There were missed guys open. I think that they're the, the quarterback play being as deficient as it is that they've, they've got some weapons and I don't think that their scheme is awful. I, I, I think their scheme is affected by the fact that there's limited to what they can do from the quarterback position to make it work. I'd like to see them do a little bit more near the line of scrimmage with some simple passes and, um, you know, I think that like them to do a better job with the screen game, but again, that's timing, that's rhythm. They, they don't execute that very well. Mm-hmm. So it's, to me, it's more execution problem. Um, I think schematically you can do some things to improve upon it. But I think the biggest issue is they've got a mess at the quarterback position. Yeah. And I think they've got a mess offensively. I mean, you look at them, their defense has to carry it so much that if they're not perfect, I mean, they gave their offense time and time and time again. Other than picking it up and scoring with special teams on defense, they just had no chance. And it was you know, again, you know, Minnesota was ripe to be beaten and the Bears couldn't do it because their offense was not up to it. And when it's that bad, it's not just a scheme problem. Yeah. It's an execution problem. It's a personnel problem. It's all of that wrapped into one, which is why there's going to have to be a change on how they're going to do it on offense. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting problem. to see what they do in terms of the quarterback position. Where do they go there? What do they do? They gave up on the young guy. Foles is not the answer. You know, Trubisky's not healthy. I mean, I think at some point, Scott, they can get him healthy. They need to trot him back out there and see yeah. what they have because they got some real tough decisions to make. Look, when you look at Trubisky, you rule him out into the future. I mean, you look at Tannehill, you think that maybe at some point that maybe you can develop him, but it's a lesson. You don't risk taking a guy with no quarterback pedigree as high as they did. It's too yeah. risky and it cost them. Uh, let's get to some more questions. Sean wants to know how do you think the Saints offense will look with Jameis Winston maybe more of a vertical passing game, possibly? It's not going to be as good. They're going to have to focus on the run game. Jameis is a mistake waiting to happen. He has no ability to make checks at the line of scrimmage. The play that's called from the sideline, that's going to be the play that's in there. I think it's not going to be the same as with Bridgewater. Bridgewater was much better in getting out of a bad play into a good one. That's not Jameis's strength. Jameis has got physical talent, but decision-making is really poor. And I think this could be their undoing because mistakes is the one thing that's going to derail this team. The defense is playing pretty good. It's going to be a lot of short passes, and Alvin Kamara will lead the way and get Drew Brees back as quick as they can. They're going to need him back because they're not going anywhere with Jameis. Uh, Pat wants to know your thoughts on Baltimore's offense at this point. Has the league figured out with a year and a half plus tape, uh, years of tape on Lamar – uh, how they can't push the ball down the field, your take on Baltimore right now? I think I think people figured it out last year. It's just some people weren't good enough to be able to defend it. The good teams can defend it. That's what we saw in the playoffs, and that's what we see currently now. The good teams can defend it. Um, you overplay the run. You force them to win in the passing game, and rarely do they do that unless it's to an inferior opponent. 
that's what they are. And I think that they're a regular season success team mm -hmm. that will falter unless they get the right match. It could win one playoff game, depending upon who it's against. But no, they're they're if you're one-sided, if you're the Bears and you can't score, if you're the Ravens and you can't throw it, good teams are gonna expose you. Another question, uh, how big of an impact do you see Whitworth's injury to the Rams offense? Oh, uh, huge. He's a leader. He's graded out very well. That's a very tough for them. I, I think it's, you know, trying to get back on track, things kind of on pace. Uh, I think that's huge. I, I really do. I think it's going to be tough. And again, maybe a changing of the guard as in front of our eyes in the NFC West. Mm, all right. Well, let's get to our preview of week 11 and we'll start with the NFC West matchup on Thursday night football, the Cardinals at the Seahawks. You know, you think on the surface, Seattle at home got to stand up and win this. I got to tell you, Cardinals are the better team right now. There is no doubt they're playing better. They're playing with confidence. But can they do it? Seattle has got to figure some things out, and they've got to figure it out this week. It's one thing to say pride toughness back against the wall. I see a lot of teams come out with a win, but right now part of me says that part of it backs against the wall, Seattle, but the tape says Cardinals are a better team. Let's go to Sunday. The Eagles uh, who got all kinds of issues travel to Cleveland mm -hmm. on the Browns, you know, Cleveland's the better team here. Uh, don't know Philly. What a mess and good win by, the Giants, but man, I, you know, just the Eagles are a mess. I, um, trust Cleveland or trust the Eagles a lot less than I trust Cleveland. I think Cleveland's yeah. got more. The Falcons at the Saints, you know, listen, um, this is one of those games that kind of not going to make their season. The, the Falcons will play well against the Saints. And again, just, uh, this is a game the Saints should win, but they've got to win it by running the football so that, what they can do is force defenders in the box to really clear the safeties out of the middle of the field because the one way they can upset the Saints is through turnovers. That's the one thing that Winston is prone to do. Uh, let's go to the Bengals at Washington. Hey, look, you know, I keep thinking, I thought Cincinnati would have a chance against Pittsburgh, but I thought that was because Big Ben might not play. That obviously went out the window. Um you know, Washington will play hard. I you know, I just keep think Cincinnati may be able to pull a game like this off, but this is a toss up game of two teams that just for needing a win. Yeah. A win big in a big way. Let's go to the Lions at the Panthers. You know, two teams that at times look like can be pretty good. Carolina's been the little more consistent team. You see that they're deficient. Not quite the little engine that could. They're kind of in the game, but they can't quite finish it. I think they're a little bit more complete. I think they can finish a little better. I like them at home here. The Steelers at the Jaguars, Pittsburgh 9-0. We haven't had a 9-0 team, Chris, since uh, 2015, uh, 2015, I believe it was. No. Yeah, it might have been the Panthers. When the Panthers started out the season 13-0, uh, uh, Cam Newton, MVP, they go to the Super Bowl that year and lose. Um, Steelers 9-0, and they go to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. See, no reason why to stop here. The one thing is the Steelers sometimes, they didn't last week against Cincinnati, so maybe it's a little different, sometimes play down to their team. And this Jacksonville team's playing with some fight. I, I You know, 
Steelers yeah. would have to lose it. They're the better team here. I don't see that. Doesn't this seem like one of those games where, you know, hey, get out of the cold weather for a couple of days, get down to sunny Florida, and maybe your mind is not come, a whole Come out slow. Just, you know, get – but you you think by the second quarter, yeah. you know, if, they, if they're down 14 points, which I could see it, you could see them figuring it out. I, I don't know. I, I don't think Jacksonville's got enough to pull it off but I could see Pittsburgh playing sloppy enough to make it intriguing for a while. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, Titans and the Ravens in Baltimore. Hey, listen, right now, uh, off of last week, uh, Tennessee's lost control of this division. I think it's with Indianapolis. Uh, going on the road here, another team, you know, Tennessee can run the football. Maybe they can get more out of the passing game, but can they do it on the road? I think this is an intriguing game. These are two teams that look like playoff teams, but neither one of them look like they can go very far, like deep into it. But the winner here might have a little bit of confidence. I don't know here. Baltimore at home might be too tough for Tennessee, but, um, you know, they can get enough going in the passing game. Who knows? Yeah. All right, let's go to the Patriots at the Texans. Yeah, I just don't like the whole atmosphere in Houston right now with this team. New England – probably finds a way to win here, but they, they obviously are, you know, just trying to figure things out as they go. I, I, I'm not either. I'm not excited about either one of these teams. The Dolphins travel to mile high, take on the Denver. Broncos. Yeah, be, be careful here. It's another case. Miami, you're the better team. You're playing well. Denver is a definitely a different team at home. I mean, they play well at home. Miami, you've, if you're going to be the hunted now, you can't mm-hmm. drop a game. This is a game you should win. Like the Dolphins here, playing better at quarterback, that's the difference perhaps. But don't be sloppy. Don't think you're all that going into this game. Jets at the Chargers. Uh, L.A. finding ways to lose, but now they face an 0-9 football team. I tell you what, this is one in which, you know, if the Chargers lose this game, it, it, it I don't know, odds of Anthony Lynn getting fired before Adam Gase. I mean, I think that that odds go up a, a lot higher if that happens this week. Chargers, you're right. They find ways to lose. This is a team that's maybe been the most disappointing team all year on film. Um, I, I'm, I'm just really disappointed. Don't like their direction. I, I think there's changes coming. Yeah, hey, homecoming for Sam Darnold in L.A., so we'll see what he does there. Uh, you know, just a stone's throw away from uh, the campus of USC. How about the Packers in Indy to take on the Colts? Well, this Pack team is starting to feel a little bit, playing well. This Colts team, big win last week. I think this tells us a little bit more about both of these teams. I think the Packers are definitely – uh, you know, particularly with breezes with injury. I, I think you could make the pack the, the favorite in the NFC. Certainly, if if not the favorite, certainly in the top two. And I think the Colts are starting to play better, starting to feel it. I don't know if they're good enough to hold off Green Bay here. Um, that's why I think it's such a big game here with Indianapolis, Green Bay, and Tennessee, Baltimore. I think this really kind of Maybe it's a wash. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. it's a split here. But uh, I'm wondering about both of these two teams, uh, Tennessee and, and uh, Indianapolis in the South. And I think this week's going to tell us a little bit about where they are in the pecking order. The Cowboys in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Andy Dalton returning to practice for Dallas. Yeah, look, we'll see. We'll see what they can get him. Minnesota starting to play. Yeah, look, what a what a turnaround. One in five. Now they're 
starting to get back in the mix a little bit here. Um, just think they've got a little bit more, but not so much that Dallas can't make this competitive. Curious to see what they were able to get done here, a little bit of a downtime in the bye week. Um, we'll see what Andy Dalton could do and practice and you can get in there. Vikings look a little bit more complete here. Revenge on the minds of Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs as they go to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Um, here you have a lot of things going for the Chiefs. You got the revenge factor. You got Andy Reid's record after a bye week. Uh, I think this is going to be a uh, bad game for the Raiders. I think the Chiefs uh, are on a mission here. I agree with you. I think certainly losing that game, and that's what it was. They didn't play well, lost, and Raiders were really excited and were peacocking their way after that game. I don't think they're going to forget it. I think this could get ugly. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City takes care of business uh, in Vegas, and um, I think they'll have a have a nice weekend. I agree with you, all the reasons that you mentioned. I think they're kind of on a mission. I think they're, you know, looking to get ahead early in this game and obviously unleash their pass rush and see what they can do and create some mistakes for David Carr in that offense. That's been pretty good. The Raiders have actually done a really nice job. I think the Chiefs at near their best blows out the Raiders. Let's go to Monday night, the Rams and the Buccaneers from Tampa. Really good Monday night game, huh? I mean, uh, yep. you know, Bucks certainly not out of it. Certainly maybe a little bit of life, even with their loss to New Orleans with the Breeze injury. Got to win this game at home, though. I think this game's really, really important. The Rams are in the same spot. They could com- fall completely out of the NFC West. Um, you know, Bucks have got to stay balanced, run the football. I thought they got out of their rhythm, got down early against the Saints. They don't match up well against the Saints schematically. Uh, against the Ram, this could be real interesting. Defensively, I think they'll settle down. They have settled down a little bit last week. Uh, I think they'll settle down this week, run the football a little better, a little more balance here. It's going to be a fun game, and I think you'll certainly tell us a little bit more about, all right, how much of a factor. Look, Tampa's got – both of these teams have got to get in their division race. Yeah. I don't think either one of these teams are going to be able to do anything from the wild card spot. So what can fans find now on LandryFootball.com, Chris? You know, uh, obviously the early part of the week, we break down all the games. So we've got the scouting room analysis and the player grades from the games from this past week. We've got them up and uh, on the college side and the pro side, and we'll begin the previews. In fact, I've, I've worked on, I've already got the Thursday night uh, Cardinal Seahawk game broken down up on the website with the who's graded out the best on each team thus far this season, individual player grades as well. So we break down the game from inside the film room. So that's which, why you want to be part of LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the membership, folks. It's less than $10 a month. In fact, if you get it for a year, it's less than that. So you get film room analysis. Uh, if you like the game of football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com, whether you're looking to gamble on it, whether you're looking at it from a fantasy angle, you just want to know more about the X's and O's, the strategy, you can get the film room breakdowns, get a coaching and scouting analysis. It's like having your own coaching and scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out today. And be sure to click on that banner because they can get some uh, deals with uh, one of the legal gambling sites in their state. Absolutely. Uh, American betting experts is where you want to go. You'll see that link there at the top. Um, you, you just click on the right hand side of it and go with either bet MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, points bet, sign up instantly and receive an account deposit match or a risk free bet. 
from $100 to $1,000. So it's real simple. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get on on the action with that special offer from American Betting Experts. Yep, want to thank American Betting Experts. Want to thank you for watching on twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. Be sure to hit the heart button. You can like us, subscribe to the channel. Um, you can watch all of the shows that are available at any time by clicking through the videos on twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And if you want to listen to the shows in podcast format, whether you're in the car or just want to slap on some headphones and listen on your mobile device, you go right ahead, subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at Landry Football. You can follow me, Scott Seidenberg, at Scott's On Air. And we'll be back next Tuesday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, live on Twitch for another edition of the Football Film Room. All right, Chris, enjoy the weekend. Hey, enjoy it. Lots of football. Let's uh, hope we get all the games in this weekend. Please, college. please.